Welcome to Outspoken, a podcast for social change where we talk about current events and how they relate to interpersonal violence and abuse. Outspoken is a project of the Hayes Caldwell Women's Center located in San Marcos, Texas. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse and is seeking support, services, or needs more information, links to resources can be found in our episode description. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the views of their organizations or affiliates. Welcome to Outspoken, a podcast for social change. I'm Kirsten. I'm Megan. I'm Kiara. And I'm Claudia. And we watched the recent episode of Below Deck Down Under, specifically season two, episode seven, that sparked quite a bit of online conversations about sexual assault and harassment, consent, and handling sexual assault. We've never seen reality TV handle sexual assault this well before and really wanted to talk about what they did right and some takeaways and things that we can learn from it as well. There will be spoilers for the show and we also want to give a content warning that we will be discussing dynamics and details of sexual assault and sexual harassment. And since we will be talking about sexual assault and sexual harassment, we wanted to give definitions for how we're defining sexual assault and sexual harassment. So as you're listening, we're all working from the same definition. We are defining sexual assault as sexual contact or behavior that occurs without consent. And that includes rape and any unwanted sexual touching. And we are also defining sexual harassment as unwelcome sexual advances that can also include requests for sexual favors or any unwanted verbal or physical contact of a sexual nature. To start, I'm going to explain the premise of Below Deck and what happened in this specific episode. So the whole show follows a yachting crew working in Australia. They work and live together and then also hang out and drink together in their downtime. Uh, Luke is the bosun or the lead deckhand. After a night of drinking and repeatedly pushing back, pushing past Margot, another steward on the boat's rejections of him for a sexual relationship, the power briefly goes out on the yacht And during this brief power outage, Luke, completely naked, climbs up into Margot's bed, who is both blackout drunk and passed out asleep. The producers of the show pound down the door to interrupt him and stop him from further assaulting her. Uh, The chief steward, Aisha, sees part of this unfold. She quickly checks on Margot, then goes to tell the captain what happened. The captain quickly responds and immediately believes what Aisha saw and removes him from the boat immediately and then fires him the next day once he's sobered up. Immediately following a meeting to let the whole crew know that that kind of behavior is not accepted on his boat and let them know that the captain has fired Luke, the second steward, Laura, immediately starts advocating for Luke and questioning Margot including directly to her face. You're just so uncomfortable. It's so so uncomfortable uncomfortable to watch. So inappropriate. Exactly. (laughs) And they name it as inappropriate, which we're really glad to see. Throughout the episode, Aisha is constantly advocating for Margot. She repeats Margot's no to Luke directly before the assault occurs. She checks on her 
constantly. She centers her needs and what she's asking for. She intervenes on victim blaming that's been directed at Margot. She's being, like, amazing. She was, like, the real MVP of this. She was. was incredible (laughs) to watch. Truly. Um, So in addition to all the nonsense that Claudia just explained, we have a second uncool situation happening at the same time as this. So Laura, um, as mentioned, the second steward on the boat has also at the same time been sexually harassing Adam, um, another um, crew member, the whole night. And Adam, we see Adam say no repeatedly. For instance, they're in the hot tub together and she's touching him and climbing all over him and he repeatedly tells her no adam is trying to create space between himself and laura they get out of the hot tub and in the next scene we see laura ends up climbing up into adam's bed after he has repeatedly told her no and is trying to get her to leave his room so again producers like they did um, with Margot and the Luke situation, they're great and they step in and they tell Laura to get out of Adam's bed, to leave his room, um, to prevent her from further assaulting him. Later on, we see Aisha, again, real MVP, um, observes <laughs> Laura's behavior outside of this incident. Laura, again, is leaning on Adam and he's pushing her away and... Aisha observes Laura's behavior and ends up checking in with Adam and he confirms that he has been telling Laura no several times, but she continues, Laura continues this behavior despite him repeatedly telling her no. Again, Laura, who we've already watched be extremely problematic with Margot, um, blaming Margot directly, advocating for Luke, who's already assaulted Margot. She's repeatedly bringing up how she misses Luke to different crew members and blames Margot for the assault. She actually says to Margot's face, minimizing the situation and her experience, saying Luke was just joking. He wouldn't have raped you, which is they don't know just that. awful. <laughs> and also, exactly. like, he went into her room when she was blackout, drunk, and passed out, already naked. Like, I think his intention was to rape her. And when the producers step in and they say, you need to get out, he shuts the door mm-hmm. and tells them to like go away. And she goes as far as to say, like, she wished that he had gone in her room. Yeah. As you can, in other episodes leading up to this, you see that Laura is really interested in Luke and really wants Luke's attention and is seeking it out. And Luke is not interested in her, sets a boundary with her and continues to pursue Margot. So it's almost mm-hmm. like we see her watching it just continue to push this issue probably out of an insecurity or maybe whatever it is or feeling it an entitlement to some attention or whatever it is but it's incredibly uncomfortable to watch and it's incredibly it's nice to see Asia recognize what's happening um for both to Adam yes for for both of them so talking about parallels between both of these situations that happen with Luke going into Margot's room and Laura sex- continuing to sexually harass Adam, there were warning signs uh, leading up to this in the episode that we watched, but also in previous episodes leading up to this incident. That in a previous episode, 
Soon as Margot gets there, she's there less than 24 hours. She's new to the boat. Luke tricks her and kisses her without her consent. He does like the whole, there's eyelash on your face, close your eyes, and then kisses her without her consent. And she's, you can see that she's uncomfortable. She's upset. She's not wanting the relationship to move too fast. She is interested in him in some capacity, but he continues to make her feel uncomfortable at the speed that the relationship or the interaction is moving. And he also continues to insist that they have a connection, uh, despite her being like, I just met you, this is moving too fast. So he's continuing to push her boundaries. And on the other side of that, we see Laura, who's been sexually harassing Adam, um, that she doesn't like when people tell her no. So she frequently is commenting that she always gets what she wants. And at some point, Adam even tells her like, hey, please stop. This is making me uncomfortable as he continues to tell her. And she says, what is it? I, she says, I'm working on it. Yeah. But yeah. then like immediately touches him while she's saying yes. it. Yeah. yeah. So in both situations, there are red flags and warning signs that happen privately but also publicly where other people can witness that something is going on that's not okay or at least somebody is upset or uncomfortable by what's happening. And also we see as a parallel between the two situations that are unfolding, we see that both people who are the victims are blaming themselves for what's happening. There's a lot of self-blame going on. So Margot blames herself for saying like, well, I was flirting with Luke. Um, or maybe it was my fault because I got too drunk. I shouldn't have got too drunk. And it's incredible to see all the other women around her saying like, it's o- like it's okay for people to get blackout drunk or even be naked. And it doesn't mean that somebody else is entitled to sexual contact or whatever from another person. Uh, they exactly. re- really reaffirm for her that like, what happened to you is not okay. You're allowed to get drunk. You're allowed to enjoy yourself. You're allowed to do X, Y, and Z. And it's still not going to make it your fault. Which I really appreciate seeing because as we mentioned that the way that this whole situation was handled we've never really seen that happen on reality tv and growing up in a generation with a lot of reality tv we've seen a lot of situations unfold that are really not okay happening on camera it, I feel like it was one of the first times I've seen production intervene in a situation that wasn't a physical fight between somebody I feel like most of the time that's where I see intervention happening if it's like a physical fight so it was nice to see them intervening but also people coming around Margot because she's blaming herself and at the same time Adam is blaming himself for what's happening with Laura he's saying that maybe I'm not being serious enough um and saying no and that he doesn't want to embarrass Laura uh, he's really trying to take into consideration how she would feel by being rejected by him. And at the end, he says that um, he hopes that he wasn't even the reason for Laura getting fired. So Laura does get dismissed off the boat. And then you see him be like, I don't want to be the reason for why she got fired. But it's really, really incredibly important to highlight that Laura's own actions are what got her fired. She exactly. chose to harass somebody. There were real consequences for this. And she messed around and found out, essentially, (laughs) (laughs) and had to follow through with what the consequences were. Exactly. I feel like that's used a lot to dismiss or minimize or keep victims and survivors quiet by saying, well, you don't want to get him fired or what's going to happen to him. And then also, like you said, Kiara, 
victims blame themselves and say, well, I don't want to get them fired by saying something. But like you said, the person who did the harm, their actions are what get them fired. Their actions are what get them in trouble. We see that a lot. You don't want to ruin somebody's future. Their future is so promising. It's always about like what could be wrong with derailing somebody's future who is the perpetrator and not so much like how is this going to impact the future of the person who's been victimized exactly i think it's also common for people to downplay what happened to them themselves like i don't think anyone wants to see themselves as a victim so sure it's kind of that like sense of looking for control like well if i had done this differently and, and it's it ends up being like a a self-blame thing and some or or maybe it was maybe I made too much of a big deal about it and it wasn't that big of a deal because now the person's being fired and and I do think that it it is sometimes more just like wanting to downplay that your boundaries were violated and it can also be really difficult whereas thinking about the situation with Margot and Luke Margot had a number of people thankfully around her reaffirming that it was okay but I empathize with like you have the one negative person around you saying trying to challenge what you're thinking trying to blame you and I think it's really human to hold on to that like if you can have like five or six people affirming you but if you have one person questioning you you may be like well maybe they're right maybe I did overreact Uh, maybe the other people do feel this way and they just don't feel comfortable telling me that they think I'm overreacting and Lara and Margot were roommates so Lara had just way more access to Margot to plant those like little worms of self-doubt in her head. I love that you said worms. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also, too, I, I loved seeing Margot. Obviously, her experience the night after she's piecing together what happened and people are coming around her and helping her understand the night prior. And she's, you know, the shame and this self-doubt and self-blame is coming up. And you have these people who are validating her and saying what you did isn't your fault. And it's it's really incredible to see her have that type of support. And when she's talking about it, she's like, obviously, this has been a horrible day and I feel so loved. I just feel like I never mm-hmm. hear that. I don't feel like that's common for people to have some have a group collectively especially in leadership above them saying like no what you did isn't your fault you do not have to explain yourself what they did was wrong and I'm going to take care of it and we want to create a safe space for you and just to imagine how if things had gone differently like if it had been just kind of swept under the rug how isolating and terrible awful just I can't even imagine how awful Margot would feel after an incident like that, you know, and, and then have to, to have... keep working with that person. Exactly. Something that was really impactful for me was that Margot, since she was blackout drunk, did not remember pretty much any of it and needed to rely on people in her surroundings to tell her what happened. And it just speaks to how we expect survivors to be able to remember what they were wearing, what time the person came in, all these details, and like be perfect at that. But perpetrators target people when they're vulnerable. Like if the producers weren't there, if I if Aisha wasn't there, we never would have known. Yeah, the worst could have happened. I feel like you really highlighted the fact that like they tar- like people will target you when you're vulnerable because it wasn't until the lights went out that mm-hmm. Luke tried yeah. to go into her room. So clearly he saw an opportunity and acted on it. I feel like this happens a lot, too, in younger adults or people who are at parties and guys 
specifically may see women who are too drunk, they use that as an opportunity to take advantage. I feel like this happens pretty frequently. Um, unfortunately, you see, like you said, Claudia and Kiara, you see they see somebody who is in a vulnerable position and take advantage of that. Yeah. Yep. And even though I think something to highlight in the situation, because I think maybe some people would add it to this conversation that Luke was also incredibly drunk to like the next day when he had to face the consequences of what he did. He had to be told what he did and he did own up to that. But I think that some people would use that as an excuse. Yes, they would use that as an excuse. Like, well, both of these people are drunk. So how do you know if you're assaulting each other? Like, are they both assaulting each other if both people are drunk or under the influence? But as we've already said, there's a reason that people, I think I say this in presentations, there's a reason that people call alcohol liquid courage. Why sometimes people will have a few drinks before they do karaoke. Because it makes them more likely to maybe have their guard down. And I feel like some people could even look at this episode and be like, well, Margot had been kissing him. There was a lot of attention that was being given. What reason did he have to believe that she would reject him? But alcohol made it a little bit more cloudy. So I feel like that's something to highlight is that there's just a lot to discuss and consider when looking at the situation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I do want to talk about what we saw that was right, what the captain and Asia got right, because we saw a lot of really positive action taken from leadership and like I said a minute ago it could have really gone really poorly if they hadn't have addressed it the way they did both of them took the harassment and the assault very seriously and took action they didn't downplay it Um, they didn't question the victims they believed the uh, information when they received it the captain received it from Asia because she actually witnessed it happen um, and it's we know from our work that it's it's really essential for leadership to create that environment, especially at work or on all levels, actually, to make environments safe. Uh, it really does come from the top and needing that support from them in order to make the environment safe for everyone. Because if you have a leader who is, you know, allowing something like that to go on, then it's definitely not going to be a safe environment. Yeah. Imagine if Laura was in Aisha's position. Imagine if Laura, mm-hmm. who was perpetrating, was the chief who student. was a perpetrator, was the person in charge. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. That would have created an environment where you go and tell, like, something bad happened to me, and they would have been, like, not believing you, questioning you, saying it was a joke, minimizing it. It would have been a really unsafe environment to work in. And I also really appreciated, you know, after he, after the captain fired Luke, he had a meeting immediately with the entire crew and had a, you know, a very serious conversation about how he prioritized everyone's safety and that everyone needed to be professional and respect each other's boundaries. So just, uh, again, like setting the tone and setting that environment, like setting that expectation up front and then immediately sticking through with it because we saw immediately following that meeting how Laura went and was not respecting boundaries and not being supportive of her crewmate. And then he stuck to that. He stuck to it and and let her go as well. So I think it's just, it shows that it's not going to be an easy decision, you know, every time because they had to, you know, they were had to operate shorthanded because of those decisions. But the captain recognized that taking care of his crew is more important than being shorthanded for a day or two. Yeah. And something that he also said that, 
stuck with me that I really appreciated was like, we need to have empathy in the situation. He used the word empathy multiple times. And I really, really appreciated that. So we are highlighting what they got right, but there's still some things that could have been better in this situation. As we had mentioned earlier in this episode, there were some warning signs that were present. There was some repeated behavior, red flags that were there. We did see people intervene at some point, uh, production do intervene at some point, but they could have intervened a little bit earlier or other people on the crew could have intervened if they see other people being uncomfortable. I remember there being a scene where Adam, who's being sexually harassed, is sitting in the hot tub with Laura and other people see it. And I think at some point you can see that the other people around are uncomfortable by it and they could have intervened and they probably wanted to. Um, if we're being really honest, but sometimes people don't know what to do or they may not recognize it as being wrong or as we've already talked about, maybe they don't want to be the person that says something and then it kills the vibe Um, or they make a big deal out of something that maybe other people think isn't a big deal. I feel like that can be a pretty scary space to be in if you speak up and you don't know if you're going to be backed up. In such a small crew, even if people think you're wrong, then you could be the person that's isolated. So I can understand why maybe they couldn't have spoken up. But there were signs there early on that other people could have intervened. And sometimes people also may not have the language for what's happening. Um, They may recognize like, hey, that feels messed up, but I don't recognize it as sexual harassment or I don't see it as a red flag that could be leading to sexual assault. Uh, Aisha only uses the word sexual harassment one time, but overall we do see that people recognize that what's going on is inappropriate and it's not okay. It would just be nice, understandably, but it still would have been nice to see people intervene a little bit earlier, which is something that we are moving towards, hopefully, at least in the work that we do or teaching people, like what can you do to intervene? What are the different strategies that you can use? And something else that we also see that could have been done better is after Laura is fired from the job, um, they have a meeting, another meeting for the crew upstairs. And Aisha names Adam as one of the victims of like that Adam is being harassed by Laura, um, which the captain, as far as we see on camera, never does that when talking about Margot, even if the people already know that. So in our work, we know that it's important to be able to protect the the, I can't say this word, so can somebody else say it? Anonymity. <laughs> yes. It reminds me of like see an enemy and that's what my brain wanted to say. So <laughs> I'm like, a, I'm going to get somebody line. else in. Yeah. So be able to protect that for survivors. So some takeaways. We also see Asia, who, again, we have noted multiple times, handles these situations very well. She, when she's talking to the captain advocating for Margot, she discloses that she herself is a survivor of sexual assault, um, which is a big part of her reason for why she stepped in and was feeling especially protective of Margot um, in this situation. We see in this work a lot that people who are often survivors or know someone else who has been sexually assaulted, it can make people much more aware of these situations and it can inspire them to get involved or step in and be an active bystander and advocate for people in these situations. Asia also takes Adam's experience very seriously, which I really appreciated um, and takes it up with management in the same way she did with Margot. Um, So often men survivors minimize their experience or fear that they will not be believed at all. 
it really prevents them from saying much. And we do see Adam, as we've noted, he really minimizes and kind of yeah. dismisses what has been happening. Um, so I do appreciate that Aisha took his experience very seriously and brought it up with the captain as well. And then also having, like we, we have mentioned this, but having healthy leadership makes such a huge difference huge. in these situations. People who are in leadership, when they are informed, um, they are very safe people and they can create safer environments. Mm -hmm. um, the captain and Aisha are both very great examples of this. The captain fires Laura for victim blaming, disrespecting him and Adam's boundaries. He fires Luke basically on the spot after hearing what he did. Um, and he doesn't allow for them to come back and have some type of discussion or make excuses. He's like, absolutely not. This is this is a hard line. We're not going to tolerate this. So I appreciate that he is creating a space that does not tolerate that type of yeah. behavior. And like has already been stated, he follows through with it when he says, this is the boundary. We're not going to cross each other's boundaries. And somebody does it again. He's like, no, you're mm -hmm. done. I believe that's really great leadership. I also really appreciated seeing just two people making an effort to make the place safe and then it makes the place safe. Agreed. That's, it's just so much of this work is learning how to be a good bystander and intervene and speak up and advocate for survivors. And then it really can, just a few people can really change an environment for the better. It can be huge. And I appreciate too that he brought both Margot and Adam in just for a brief check-in, but he doesn't push back. He doesn't make them explain themselves. He validates what they said and they, he says, okay, I'll handle it. I'll take care of it. And they trust that he will, which is fantastic. He doesn't make them be more involved than that. Margo never has to see Luke again. I think it's great. Yeah, for sure. So what now? How can we take this information and make change, social change in our everyday lives? recognizing how important changing that environment is. And we saw people, we saw Laura and Luke, they harassed people the night before, um, days before, and no one had said anything. So it, in the beginning, they might have gotten the impression that that was okay, right? Because when we don't speak up, it can kind of be permission for people, right? To, mm, or just yeah. to assume that this is, this is it okay. It creates behavior. an environment. Exactly. So we have the ability to create the environment that we want. We have the ability to like have safe spaces and create them for ourselves and our community. Um, and it's a matter of, you know, how we teach ourselves these skills and how we can be better bystanders. Because so much of this is not knowing what to say or what to do because those situations can be so uncomfortable. And uh, like it was mentioned, like it was pretty clear that the others were uncomfortable, but it was just not having those tools of what to say. So that's what we're going to hopefully help out with today and go over um, and learning different ways that we can intervene and uh, interrupt harm before it continues or gets worse. For example, you know, if someone makes, and I want to say this happens in very small and large ways every day, but even just someone making a sexist joke or making a joke about rape, intervention in that way could be just by not laughing or by just saying that's not funny Sometimes I think when someone tells a joke, people might feel like obligated to laugh. But when we do that, it's saying, I think that's funny and that's OK. Right. So in moments like that, think about what kind of what kind of bystander are you going to be? Are we just going to watch? Or are we going to intervene and, and stop that type of thought and let them know that you're not OK with that? Yeah. Or if someone just dismissing or minimizing assault and harassment, which, you know, maybe it's not a joke, but maybe it's just blowing off a comment or something they heard, but it's, you know, not a big deal. And just being like, hey, I, I actually do think that's a big deal. 
Yeah. Even saying something too, like, oh, well, she was flirting with him a lot. So what did she expect to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Comments yeah. like that. And I, one of my favorite uh, ways of responding is just asking a question. Like if someone like was to say something like that, we're like, oh, what did she expect to happen? Like, what do you mean? What What would happen if someone was like, what's supposed to happen if someone does this? Like, you know, sometimes just asking the question, like, well, what do you mean by that can really make people pause and be like, oh, and then they realize I just said something really inappropriate. Yeah. And let them reflect and figure it out on their own. And that way you don't even have to really come up with a retort other than just like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Please explain out loud to the group. Yes. Explain yes. to the group what, what that comment was about because yeah. I need more clarity. <laughs> that has always been hard for me. So I tend to do like the face that communicates like, yikes. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> That works. Too. I mean, you're you're communicating though that like you're not okay with it. Like you're yeah. communicating like I'm not I'm not going to normalize this or make you feel comfortable when you're making me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that there is a variety of ways to be a bystander based on what feels safe yes. to you. Yeah. There's always a way to communicate like that's not cool. So thinking about different ways that we can actively be a bystander. If you feel safe, I think a lot of times when people think about intervening, they think about directly intervening, confronting the behavior directly, immediately getting involved. But for some people that works, other people that doesn't feel safe or okay, um, sometimes they can distract, create a distraction, interrupt what's happening. I've heard some people say like they go out to a bar, maybe they like knock a drink, a drink over or like drop their keys or something that disrupts the situation that's happening delegating if you feel like you aren't in a place to do this yourself but you know somebody else who's willing to step in or has the ability to do that you can delegate bring somebody else in who maybe has more influence in the situation whether it's like somebody's friend like hey i heard your friend say this come get your friend or like you have that friend that you know is going to step up going and doing that or even like if you feel like you can't directly intervene in some way you can circle back um, and check in with the person that's being harmed Um, The strategy is called delay, but it can really go a long way to just let somebody know, hey, I saw what happened and I want to check in with you and see if you're okay because it wasn't okay what I saw. Aisha does that a lot. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's really, really good at that. And it really makes a big difference too, like in the healing process, I I believe as well, like just to know that like someone witnessed it and saw you and like there's a connection of humanity that happens and like a connection of empathy that happens that's like, hey, like that's not okay. Yeah. Um, And something else that we see sometimes a lot in person, but also online when we're thinking about like bystander intervention online is document is another strategy. So if you see something that's not okay, taking a screenshot of it or a video of it, I would say there's some situations like you're seeing something violent happening in person, maybe recording it is not going to be the best option in that moment, but maybe it could. All that happens is something important to know that if you document something Uh, check in with the person who's being harmed if you have the option to do that and get consent or like ask them what they want to do with it because it gives that it empowers them and it gives that information back to them you don't want to be another person who's just taking opportunities away from them or exploiting the situation Uh, so you can be like hey I screenshotted this or I recorded this I want to give this to you in case you want to use it Yeah. So, so many different ways that we can intervene. I think, yeah, as we mentioned, it's just, it can be really tough for people to try to figure out what they can do, but people are intervening in ways without realizing, I think, that they're still doing these different strategies that are included in bystander intervention. 
And I, I want to say too, even if you think it's like a small thing, like checking in with somebody that can make a really big difference. Megan mentioned this too, like circling back around, validating. I feel like some people think that maybe a comment that they make or not laughing at a joke won't make much of a difference, but it really does. Especially if you're, I mean, if you're in a group of people, there's a, you know, we know statistically, there's always a likelihood that you're, if you're in a group of people that someone in that group has experienced violence. So think about how much, you know, not laughing at that joke or even saying something would mean to someone who's might be sitting there next to you who's experienced violence firsthand. Yeah, exactly. Which brings us to our prevention and action tip for this episode, which is to be an active bystander. A bystander is someone who witnesses a comment or behavior that can be harmful to another person. And when you're an active bystander, an active bystander is someone who steps in and they speak up when they witness someone being harassed or harmed. And as we mentioned, there are many different ways that people can intervene and be an active bystander. Some of the ones that we already mentioned mentioned was being direct and saying something isn't okay or bringing in somebody else to help if you had the opportunity to do that, or disrupting the situation by causing a distraction. Uh, If you wanna learn more about different ways to intervene and the five Ds of bystander intervention, as it's called, you can go to righttobe.org and we'll make sure that we include that information in the show description as well. So that brings us to the end of our episode. Until next time, speak up, speak out, and be outspoken.